And it's not always about following a passion because passions might not always pay the bills, right? And I think my PT was probably a really good example of that, um, where I've had to have worked a lot of hours to make the money that I earn now. Um, and I'd have had to have given up evenings and weekends. So it's about really thinking about what you want out of a job. There now follows a podcast from the Damien Jen World Service here in London as part of their Not Just Crew Destination Unknown season. This audio production has been produced in association with Air Support International Airways. Well, hello and welcome to a, another edition of a Not Just a Crew Live. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, today, we'll be speaking to uh, Jules uh, Tyra, who uh, was a uh, cabin crew and who always wanted to go into cabin crew training. Well, that didn't happen for a variety of reasons, and she's since then had a, a number of uh, careers. She feels like she's really landed on her feet now in a job she absolutely loves, uh, which uh, means literally uh, training uh, rocket scientists in their career uh, development. Um, but as she joins us, have, have a listen and we'll come back and uh, summarise at the end. We are live once again. A, uh, a very good evening to everyone on behalf of uh, Not Just Crew. Uh, we've got another amazing uh, guest for you tonight. Uh, Julie uh, Tyra, who used to be cabin crew and now pretty much uh, advises rocking scientists on, on what to do. So, uh, Julie, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, my uh, co-host today is an all uh, lovely Ali Murphy, award-winning uh, voice artist. If you're wondering where, where Alex and Simon are, uh, they're not here, but they're not together. Uh, Alex is uh, camping in the uh, countryside and Simon is saving the world as usual, like the good chap he is. So, uh, so welcome every everyone for uh, joining uh, here. Uh, Jen and Tara are both away as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just the uh, three of us, uh, but we've got a cracking episode for you today. Uh, welcome to all our new members. We've got American Airlines joining us today as, as well. Uh, loads from Delta, Brazil. Russia. Uh, this group's just getting bigger and bigger. And again, it's because we're, we're, we're not just crew and we all like to do other things. Anyway, uh, Julie, welcome. I shall call you Jules from now on if that's okay. Uh, yes, lovely, lovely, yeah, lovely to see you and uh, thank you for joining us. So, as I always ask this, it's probably a bit boring now. Why, why did you get into flying? Oh my gosh, it was something I had always wanted to do. So I grew up um, with a, um, a friend of mine. Her mum had been crewed for um, for an airline. She was from Pakistan, so she flew like um, around Australia, around there. And just hearing her stories growing up, I was like, well, that sounds amazing. Um, so ended up actually studying travel and tourism all the way up to degree level. Um, oh, wow. And then... Never, never went for it. Just didn't do it. It had a bit of stigma around it. Um, yeah, and I remember my tutor turning around and going, is that what you're going to go and do? And I was like, yes. Um, so I didn't fulfill my dream of flying and went and did something else and became a careers advisor. A bit boring. Um, and it never left me. The bug stayed. I think um, it was... Um, I can't remember who said it recently, but somebody on here was saying that, you know, once it's in your blood, it sticks with you and it stays with you. And it's so true. Um, so it got me. And uh, I went backpacking for a year when I was like about 28. And I came back and I was like, I'm going to go and join Virgin. <laughs> um, I'm going to go fly. So I did. Oh, excellent. Yeah, excellent. So um, you, you just said uh, being a career, a career advisor was, was boring. Isn't that the most sort of... Uh, Amazing job at the moment, or not? I don't know. What, what does it tell me more about a career advisor? I, I, um, I don't yeah, advise so about careers. It was, I did it a, a long time ago now. I got my post grad as a um, qualified careers coach. Um, I worked for local governments. I used to do it for young people in schools um, and young people in the community. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was good when I used to do it for um, the local government, but it was never. It was never my passion. It was never something I loved. I knew I loved helping people. That bit I did really enjoy. Um, but I think when you've got that bug to do something else, it 
you need to go and do it. And so I did. Can I ask something really quickly um, careers advising? Obviously, you can't know absolutely every career yeah. uh, or how you go into it. If someone was to approach you going, I just don't know what I want to do, what would you what would you say to them? What would you recommend to them? So I think that's where like the title is a bit misleading. So um, which is why I was always advised kind of call yourself careers coach rather than advisor, because you're right, Ali, you're never going to know what you can't advise people on what to do. You don't know those people inside out or and, and you definitely don't know what jobs are out there, all the different jobs. So you're actually coaching them and, and bringing out the best of them. And actually, and that can be the real difference between a coach and a mentor as well. It's about really finding someone who's a really good coach and got good coaching skills. And they are people that are really good active listeners. So they'll really listen to you and help pull out your strengths um, and where they could be utilised and adapted. So it is much more about um, listening to that person and really hearing them and supporting them with that um, possible change in career or even the beginnings of their career. That does sound quite interesting. I like that idea. I like that you could actually have that much influence on someone's future. Like, yeah. Incredible. And it's, it's helped me into where I am today, for sure. But it's, um, yeah, the re- yeah. It's, yeah, it's an interesting role, but it's... Um, I've kind of obviously, the skills I gained from it have de- definitely helped me along the way. Just to, just to put back a bit, you know when you said um, you're, you went into travel and tourism and your, uh, your lecturer said to, said to you, do you really want to do that? Isn't that what these sort of travel and tourism courses are about? Isn't that sort of in, in, in the title? I just wondered why they put uh, cabin crew sort of down did did you get that at the time or yeah it was um and it's really interesting isn't it how people can say one thing to you and it can really stick with you and really have an impact on what you do and it really did and I I remember vividly like having the BA application form and I was like yeah yeah I'm gonna go and be crew that's what I've always kind of really wanted to do she was like you haven't studied for three years just go and be crew and it really put this like oh Really? Um, what a bad teacher. It's shocking, isn't it? People, um, yeah, so I, I kind of was like, oh, and I really doubted it. And that's when, you know, as a younger person, you are quite influenced by people around you and you do listen. And it's it's quite hard to kind of have that strength to do what you want to do in your passion, I guess. Um, and that's why you should surround yourself with the right people who you know, can do listen to you and do advice and have advice probably should have been, why don't you go and do it for a couple of years or a year? Or, <laughs> you know, see how you get on in the company. Or, yeah, great idea. And there's probably going to be loads of opportunities within that organisation. But, um, yeah, dismissed it a little bit. Yeah, it's probably their own prejudice and, and things like that, which 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 is not what you should do if you're advising someone in their futures. Yeah. No, of course. So, so George, you, you spent uh, was it was it four years you spent with uh, as crew, and yeah. you obviously seem to enjoy it all, all, all the way through. Did um, so, so? What what was the straw? What what made you sort of uh, want to leave uh, in the in the end? Um. So I just. I've been called a restless soul. (laughs) (laughs) I think I just won't settle. I've just, I'm very much, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, go and do something else. And although I was loving being crew, I wanted to give so much more. And my dream would have been to have gone and um, gone into training and training crew. I was like, that would be amazing. At the time, Virgin were, um, you know, really expanding and there wasn't really the opportunities to go into that area. Um, so uh, I took a um, sabbatical and I went to the a position came up at Uxbridge College oh, as a right. travel and tourism lecturer covering a maternity cover. Um, so it was only a year. Um, and I was like, well, amazing. I'll take the year from Virgin, like, it's an, obviously it's an amazing company they allow you to do that so I was able to take that year out um, and go and dabble in something um, and <laughs> anyone that's a teacher that's listening to this I absolutely take my hat off to you it was the hardest <laughs> job it was so hard um, and I remember sitting talking to my manager 
um, Kai at the time and saying, I don't think I want to do this. And um, I was in tears. I was literally like, I, mm. I, I don't know if I've made the right decision. And he was like, you haven't failed if you go back to being crew. And I was like, yeah, I think, I think that's what I want to go and do. So mm-hmm. I actually um, phoned up my manager at Virgin and said, I'm, I want to come back. Um, obviously, my year's up in a couple of months. But they changed all the contracts, which was a massive shame. And um, for me at the time, um, I'd left quite a good contract. And I'd been going into a not-so-good contract for me, you know, being in my early 30s, wanting to buy a home. So my priorities had really changed. Um, so I had to make the really hard decision. But I was very fortunate that it was my decision. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I decided... So I went back to doing careers advice for a local college because obviously that was my qualifications. That's what I was trained in. Um, and I just did that while I decided what I was going to do. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of why I left. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, what, um, w- w- would you look to going back in, in, the, uh, in, in the future? I think travel and tourism, it, it is that industry just, for me, I think it is the people as well. Um, I remember being at um, the college that I was a careers advisor and had this beautiful Burberry scarf on, and the guy told me that I looked like a womble. I was like, okay, I don't believe it. Oh, yeah. Oh, womble. And I always just about the job. It's also about the people you surround yourself. And I think in travel and tourism – it does attract these really energetic type of people that are a bit more inquisitive and curious and yeah and I do love the industry um you know that's probably one of the things that attracted me to the company I work for now is that you know they do aerospace and they um the Empire Test Pilot School so they're still pilots and they're still aviation and you're still kind of around that um which is what I love exciting career as well that's you know because yeah. that's half of it, isn't it? When you're flying, it's like, yeah, I work on planes and people love that. <laughs> um, so I'd never say never. Um, I would love, you know, maybe one day I'll end up working for an organisation. But I genuinely love kind of what I do now. I think I found my niche. Um, but yeah, maybe I will end up doing what I do now, but in a travel and tourism industry for sure. I'm going to take you back because um, what's so fascinating about you is that you've 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 tried so many different careers and they're so wildly different from each other, which which is awesome because, like you say, and like your your um, past uh, your lecturer said, you know, you've not failed if you go back because right. right? I think you've succeeded if you've tried something. Um, so you went into personal training for a little bit as well, didn't you? Yeah. And what made you leave? So, um, so as I said, when I left um, Virgin and I made that decision to obviously not not go back and I went back and did careers advice because I said that's what I was qualified in, that's what I was trained in, picked that up very quickly and was able to pay the bills. But it wasn't what I'd always wanted to do and I'd already done that hmm. and I knew I, it didn't excite me enough, it didn't challenge me anymore. Um, so I, you know, had a bit of careers advice chat with myself and I... I loved training. I loved um, exercising. I loved how it made me feel. Every time I was down route, I'd always go to the gym. It was so for me, it was like, okay, well, what do I love doing? I love exercising. I love um, helping people. So for me, it, I thought it was going to be perfect um, career change. So whilst I was being a careers advisor, I did my um, personal training qualification alongside, just did it as a weekend course. Um, it was actually really hard, like harder than I was expecting. <laughs> um, and I thought that's what I was going to do. I was had every intention of sort of leaving the careers advice behind and starting up as a personal trainer. Um, I did, I was going to specialise in pre and postnatal. So I did that as well. Um, and, you know, things happen for a reason, don't they? But um, I actually got approached by someone about this job that had come up at this company called Kinetic. Um, and it sounded like an amazing opportunity. Uh, so I went for the interview and um, the lady, Lisa, who interviewed me, I go for Hannah, I, li- I just loved them. I was like, wow, you are on my wavelength. And they loved that I've been doing the PT because they were really keen on doing um, like health and bringing in a well-being strategy into the company. So they loved that I was really passionate about that. Um, 
they loved obviously kind of the customer service and the elements of all of that from Virgin and they just liked my skill set and I just thought well do you know what I'll give it a go I'll see how it is um I can always still carry on doing the personal training and set that up in the background um but as it happens I've I've just kind of kept it in my back pocket um I've got it there it was really interesting but yeah I haven't actually kind of I taught some boot camps so I helped with um boot camp UK so I used to take some of their classes in the evening so I did like a little bit I never actually set up and run it as my my own company um just yeah never went down that road in the end yeah I I, I was going to ask you uh Jules um because obviously I read a bit of your uh, bio that you sort of it was your own business. So, so you never sort of set up your, your limited company or sort of pay tax. You never got as far as that. And even so, even and I hope you don't mind me till, telling the uh, uh, viewers, there's still going to be an extra addition to your fa- family anyway, uh, very soon. Uh, you've automatically got a niche. I heard you speaking earlier saying, you know, you're going to concentrate on postnatal and prenatal, uh, the fact the fact you're going to be having your own one, and um, Ali might be able to uh, empathise uh, with it, or not even empathise actually, it's, it's good, uh, is um, that you could even take your, if you have to take maternity, even run your own uh, business with your baby, with new mums and yeah. babies, uh, and doing all the exercises together, and that way you save on. Was it crash? Do we call them crashes in the UK? I, I, I was that in America. Have I spent too much time in America? <laughs> well, no, nurseries. I can't remember. Crashes. I don't know. Anyway, you both know where I'm, I'm, uh, I'm uh, coming from in that one. But yeah, you, you, you've got you've got a business opportunity right right there with your own. Little, we've got your own pre-packaged business already. If, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I think about it. <laughs> Yeah, what, I love, what I love about you, Jules, and, and I think is, is quite inspirational, is that you've just taken so many opportunities and chances and you've seen like there's a, there's a path here and you've explored it. And I think that is something that a lot of people who will be watching now will be, will be really interested in because right now, you know, we've been thrown into a situation that we've not got any control of. But there are opportunities out there. And, and sometimes you just have to be brave with it, don't you? And you have to just go for, for something that you see. It, do you find sometimes that, you know, and a lot of people won't like this term, but like the universe just throws something at you that you're meant to do. And it might be might seem bad at first, but actually it's where you're meant to be and, and, and lead you down there. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, it life is a journey it is there to be explored and I think you're right Ali like sometimes you can go down a road and it can be a dead end and and that's okay and It'll it's okay at some point won't it I mean like you say like you, you know you might not be looking to do the personal training anymore but at some point in the future those skills yeah. might present themselves and they do in your current job yeah. which I don't understand can you tell me what your current job is okay, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Penny from Big Bang Theory I'm done with them Penny I don't know what, I don't know. So the company I work for is called Kinetic. Um, It's an incredible company. They work in defense and security uh, and space. Um, The people that work there, I've never come across so many intelligent, incredible, passionate people about what they do. Uh, they're, They're amazing people um rocket scientists right they're actual genuine rocket scientists or like like cyber hackers like the stuff they do our biggest customer is the ministry of defense so it's yeah it's pretty like cool work that they do like i'm surrounded by uh, these just amazing people um so i look after their graduate and apprenticeship scheme so they call it the early careers so it's um, the young people that are the future talent of the company that are coming in um, and I support them with developing. So this is kind of where the careers advice a little bit comes in. So supporting mm. them with developing their skills and their capabilities so that the business can continue to perform. So, you know, it's it's working with the business. What skills do they need? Um, so I don't obviously look after the technical. They learn that through their managers and their teams. But the bit that I do support with is the sort of more personal skills and it's just amazing to think that I don't know like sometimes I'm talking to some of them they struggle to have conversations with the customers and that to Mm -hmm. me is something that's so natural because 
that's what we, we do every day as crew, right? We talk to our customers. So a big part of my job that I do now, and I, this is how it really links to Virgin and how I think I really utilize those skills, is everything that I'm doing is about learning and development. And the way that we learn and the way that our brain works when we learn is we um, experience things. So if I take you back to doing SEP training, mm. the way that you learn that was because they put you in an experience they put you in a mock-up aircraft and they put you through and you experience what it was really like. I bet you can all remember like doing your first drills. And so it's that experience that so sticks with you. And I have to take that same principle into everything I do when I'm supporting um, these people and putting on um, any training sessions for them or any learning and development a really good example is probably the induction. So when they first join the company and they have their own induction, it's that experience. And you, we take it for granted as crew that everyone knows how to do that, right? But they mm. don't. And it's the detail. And what I took from Virgin was thinking, putting yourself in their shoes. And I say that all the time. And obviously that was one of the values there, but putting yourself in those customer shoes. So the apprentices and the graduates, they're my customers. Mm. Just like passengers on the plane. I have to give them that experience so that they learn and they remember. Um, mm. Yeah, do, do, you, um, do you find um, scientific graduates very, very different? It's they're almost like a completely um, different mindset. They're so concentrated on the technical side that they sometimes forget um, so, social side, shall we say? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't box them all in that, but um, the majority, <laughs> like, they're just so passionate about uh, sort of STEM, so their science or their engineering. Um, but yeah, some of them, you know, I'm sure that, you know, they wouldn't mind me saying, but a lot of them probably, you know, do. It's that customer interaction because if you've learned to do, science you probably don't think that you need to talk to customers but actually you know what we do is that at kinetic they do need to talk to their customers and they do need to and their customers might be external or they might even be their other teammates one of our values is collaboration you have to collaborate with people around you so you need to be able to have that interaction and being able to use that so um yeah was it intimidating having some you know such a, a specific subject that i'm guessing you weren't completely versed in space technology and stuff you know i mean i think it's i think it's awesome that you just thought no i want to do this job because i think a lot of people will be put off in that industry because they think well i don't know anything about it but actually it's something there in every organization in in every part of every industry you can go into it at some level and and learn more whilst you're there but but be involved in that sort of thing yeah and i think i was saying to trevor earlier today i think it, you know, at Virgin, I was one of hundreds of people like me. You know, Virgin are very good at attracting a type of person. And that's great because when you're at work, you know you're going to be with some like-minded people, right? But at Kinetic, I'm so different from everyone that's there. And it's so mm -hmm. nice that I can kind of take those skills and share that and help people in a completely different way. And they, you know, I do get a lot of them kind of laugh at me. Like we've just um, taken on 140 new grads and apprentices. And as part of their welcome pack, I've, <laughs> I've sent them all like little, um, little pots with seeds so they can make their seeds so they can grow their new plants with their career. So oh, I mean, a lot of the team are like, oh, you're so cheesy. Um, and, you know, a lot of them just don't really get it, but it's that experience. Like, imagine starting a company on day one and getting a little package and getting something quite meaningful. And I learned yeah. that from the margin, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I must admit, I, yeah. I did that at university. I, I, I had a plant that was I was going to take through graduation. Yeah. Oh, good! I haven't done it. No, it died. Brave, no, um, you died killed about, it, man. No, it, it died about a week after freshers. Oh, um, I should have well, watered it. I should have watered it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, if not me, somebody. Um, <laughs> Jules, somebody, and I don't mean to, to stereotype anyone. Are you? 
graduates that you're taking on, are they more like Simon Costello or more like Moss from the IT crowd? <laughs> what would you say? Oh, like a massive what, mixture. What would Simon say? That's what I'd like to know. Yeah, a mixture. <laughs> a mixture, yeah. They're, I mean, there's so many different areas that they work in, so many different departments. So you've got rocket scientists to cyber geniuses. Like, yeah, I don't even really know what half of them do. I genuinely am just like the penny. I just kind of, you know, tits and teeth. <laughs> 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 see, I don't. See, I. I must admit. I must admit. I must uh, watch this uh, Big Bang Theory. It's so because that was mentioned. I was watching a Family Guy yesterday. And they mentioned this Big Bang Theory. My kids seem to all know about it. I'm going to have to see who this Penny is. Is, is she going back to some of uh, my my mature el- elder years? Is she sort of something like um, that, that lady from the IT crowd? She doesn't sort of know much about it, but she sort of uh, look, look, looks after them. Having a bad analogy, actually. Yeah, do, do you know? Her, do, yeah, do you know? The, maybe, yeah, maybe you don't. Do you, you do know the IT crowd. Do, do we know who I'm talking about here? Or I, I do. I do. No. And yeah, I think actually you you are probably more her than okay. you are Penny. You're not dumb. Not well, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because no, that's that's amazing what you found. And, and and how big is this company? Is it a um, obviously they're doing contracts with the uh, MOD that they're, they're, they're going to be big? Uh, are they all over the world? Is it all in one one place? Yeah, it- so it's an international company. Um, so literally, obviously, today's my first day of maternity leave. But um, last week, I was on conference calls with Australia. Um, so we're obviously trying to link our programs together. So there are opportunities. Um, we've got offices, obviously, there's a big space uh, centre in Belgium. But, yeah, we've got offices all over, mainly Canada, the States, um, Australia. We've got a few in Europe. So, yeah, it's an international company. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's just a very different – I would have never have thought I'd have ended up there. But um, it's nice to be that person that's – thinks a little bit differently and can kind of challenge and and build people um, with that kind of different thinking. Yeah. And, and, you, yeah sorry, sorry, Ali, got after you. Oh, I was going to say, have you found that with, with COVID, is, is, has the future of training changed? Has the future of, of education changed, do you think, for a little while or for, for permanently? I think definitely. Like, so obviously I'm quite new coming into learning and development. Um, and I, when I, so I start, when I joined the company, I was really lucky and they gave me the opportunity to do my level five um, in learning and development. So I've just, I literally finished that and got my results on Friday. <laughs> so um, it was really interesting because I kind of felt like it was quite old school approach anyway. So it was very much, mm. you know, um, Maybe classroom, teaching, yeah, kind of you know, pushing information on people. And then as I went through the training and the qualification myself, I've just uncovered all this amazing knowledge about, um, you know, how, like, the, the basically the psychology behind why people learn. And so for me, working with these really bright, intelligent people, they don't want airy-fairy stuff. They need to know the science behind it. So, um, yeah, I think it's... I think the industry and learning and development is changing because we are knowing more about things like neuroscience and how we learn. And that goes even back to my personal training. I think that's why I love it. It's all about the neuros and, the, you know, the firing them together and, yeah, just kind of all that. I won't go into it. I can get really geeky about it. Maybe I've spent too much time around scientific people. Um, but, yeah, just that kind of science around it and that experimental design. So, Putting that sort of experience design together so it isn't just about and it does scare me a little bit with covid because i think people are just shoving a lot of training on like webinars and zoom but you still need that human interaction and you still need that human element and you still need that experience it's mm. about how you do that and it's still engaging rather than just dumping information onto people 
because you won't learn that way. Well, interestingly, because um, to, to bring my career into it, what I've been doing a lot of recently is virtual reality e-learning. So Amazing. people, because, you know, virtual reality is becoming way more accessible. People have the Quest headsets, which, you know, reasonably not as expensive as the other stuff and it's wireless. And uh, people are bringing training to virtual reality. So it's, it's, it is a more you know, personal experience because you you feel like you're there, you're in a world, you, you know, you're interacting with other people from all over the world in a virtual place. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if that sort of stuff becomes more popular now that people can't be in the same room. Yeah, I, I, and I think it will need to be. I think, you know, you, you can't just do, you know, a five-hour session on Zoom. No one's going to learn that. You need that experience and doing that virtual so that's amazing. Like that, obviously, in your industry, it's very forward thinking um, and it's on it. But I fear that a lot of places might not be. Yeah, people of technology, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, feel, I was, I was going to say, J Jules, because you have um, so, so many branches uh, around the world, um, we, I mean, does, will you be able to? Uh, travel, or is that will that be part of your sort of remit for your, for your job to travel to um, different countries to teach other people, or has every one of the countries got someone like you teaching them? Yeah, so um, not all of them have got that this early careers piece. So a lot of them have got um, what they call it, like talent academy. So they've got the the trainers and the the learning and development departments. But obviously, our farmer office is our head office, so that's where our kind of main people are. And as Ali was saying, with COVID, obviously, we're now utilising a lot more doing that virtual and doing that a lot more. So actually, it takes away the need for people to travel, and obviously, that's a big cost implication, uh, which obviously a lot of companies at this particularly right now needing to save money so um that's probably not an option right now to be traveling um although australia in general don't have a lot of early careers um programs so who knows maybe in the future uh what, what i was gonna say what's that <laughs> would they um where, where, is, it, is that a scope of uh for promotion f f for you to sort of head, head an international um, de department? I would love, like, I, I guess for me, that's kind of where my next step is. So obviously I'm very still really, really fresh in this industry. Um, it's something that I've obviously dedicated the last 18 months getting qualified in. And um, I guess you know when you're doing well, when you thrive, and I've definitely thrived in this industry. So, you know, I have been given early careers lead. So I, I lead on all the development for the program, which is amazing, an amazing opportunity. Um, so, yeah, hopefully one day, I'll, you know, once I've got a few more years under my belt, um, I will be able to, that, that would be the dream, is to go somewhere like Australia where they don't have a lot of these programs um, and set one up and, you know, help a company with their succession planning and bringing in their future pipeline. Um, yeah, so we'll but, see. But, well, no, I was going to say, because, I mean, you do seem to fit a lot into your life, actually. That's, that's what I mean. I, when you said, oh, you were doing this, but you were doing your personal training uh, at, at the same time. Um, where, where, where did you get the energy? And have you always been motivated were you very sort of motiva uh, motivated as a uh, as, as a young child did you always have uh, sort of a career plan sort of map maps out in your head absolutely not no, <laughs> no. Yeah. well that was a wasted question <laughs> right cross that one off my list okay go on so what happened? Missed the bus, so I didn't have to go to maths. <laughs> what, what, um, what happened? What happened then? I think I've just always had this drive to be happy and do stuff that I enjoy, and um, I've never let anyone tell me that you, you have to do a job and you have to stay in it. Um, you know, my dad worked for Shell the whole of his life, and oh, wow. you know. That's, I guess, what they kind of did back then, but it's very acceptable now. And in fact, it's expected that you would only really be in a career maybe three, five years um, and, and move and do something else and progress. 
And so I guess the drive for me has always come from not settling, I think. So obviously, like when I did my postgrad in careers advice, I loved it at the beginning. I loved learning about, you know, but um, learning about kind of like how to guide people and do the and do the guidance side of it and the coaching side of it. But the actual job I was doing, I was like, nah, there's, I'm, I want more. I need, I wasn't getting, I guess, enough satisfaction from it. I actually ended up taking uh, voluntary redundancy from that job. They were doing um, cuts on so voluntary redundancy, which is why I left. Um, and it was a local government that I used to work for. So they had quite good redundancy package and I'd always wanted to go traveling and hadn't. So I, you know, took my opportunity and um, I was a bit naughty. I had like a mortgage and a boyfriend and stuff. And I just went, um, I'm off. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I think I've just always, and, and some people probably call me selfish because I just, I won't settle. If I'm not happy, then why, why carry on? Go and do something else. Yeah. It's not like you, you know, the like anybody's life depended on you staying in a career that you're not unhappy with. Um, oh. You know, people obviously do have reasons occasionally, but if you've got the opportunity, gosh, we, we know we only have a short time in this planet that we're able to do the jobs that we love to do. So oh, take those opportunities. Okay. I remember um, when I took redundancy from being a careers advisor. Um, they send you on this like training, you know, to make sure that you're you're stable and you're okay about being made redundant. And the lady went around the room and she asked us all to tell her what our dream job was as a kid. Um, so everyone went around the room, and I always wanted to be a blue Peter presenter. Just think that'd be the dream job. Uh, Wouldn't yeah. all want to do that? <laughs> well, I think so. It just is the best job ever in the world. So, and then she went round and asked people what their barriers were and why they weren't doing it. And everyone, obviously, my reason was, well, I'm too old. I was like 28 at the time. Don't think they take on like 28 year olds. <laughs> I wasn't fresh faced and whatever. Um, but people had really poor excuses. Um, you put barriers on yourself if you don't want to do it. So going back to your question, Trevor, about I've always been motivated. I guess I've been motivated by not letting barriers get in the way. So yes, you might have a mortgage and you might have a property, but does that really stop you from leaving? Can you rent, can you rent that out and go somewhere? Does it necessarily mean that you're not going to have any money? I mean, you might end up actually earning more money from your new career than you would do. But people are always, I guess, nervous about making that jump. But, it, you know, there's um, a really good theory, Decky's motivation theory, and it is about having control. So if you feel in control and really connected, then you can be motivated. And it is just about having that growth mindset. And I firmly believe that it's about almost like you were saying earlier, Ali, about having, you know, being open to the opportunities that the universe gives you and having that growth mindset and just thinking, right, well, OK, this is the situation I'm in. What have I got control of? What can I control in this situation? Um, and finding ways around it. We'll always put barriers. As humans, we're designed to fear. That's how we've survived. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Someone said to me in the beginning of my career that uh, successful people are always brave because yeah. you will always have to have taken some kind of leap at some point to get to where you are. And, and that kind of kept, I kept that kept in the back of my head that any opportunity out there that might seem scary, sometimes you just have to take that leap and the reward is far more important, you know, rewarding than, than sitting yeah, in a place of fear. Yeah. Do you, do you know, you, you guys are so right. I mean, even uh, Alex and Simon, and we've had a couple of episodes when you've touched on this as well, Ali uh, and, and Jen, um, it, it is a mindset. And, you know, and I heard a, uh, a quote the other day. It's like somebody's, your mind is sitting in an unlocked prison cell. So you're in there and you can walk out of that any, any time uh, you want. And um, yeah, people, but you don't need permission to leave it. You know, it's there. So you might, you might as well go for it, go for it. But I was going to say, Jules, um, because the job you're doing now sounds quite, quite amazing, honestly. Uh, what, what main aspects have you brought into that job from being a crew, would you say? Oh, my gosh. 
that like i think going back to that sort of business set if you you can take whatever you want from any job and if you just think outside of the box of actually what you do as crew and you think about that bigger picture of the company you work for virgin nail it they know exactly how to run a business and for me, I was always in awe of doing um, the training that they gave us. And I genuinely, I've actually got a blog on my LinkedIn about kind of how I've got from beginning to end. Well, not, I'm not at the end. I'm still going. But from, <laughs> from where I'm at now. Um, and I firmly believe it was that experience. Oh, not not even half time yet. <laughs> I haven't, t- I haven't touched the surface yet, Trevor. <laughs> but I firmly believe it was that experience of <laughs> all the training that we got given. Um, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, little, just little things like how we got taught that when you're, um, if like a passenger wanted to drink and you're checking their seat and you look up to see what seat number they were, it looks like you're rolling your eyes. And what impression is that giving? And just like the way that they would teach us, um, it's so true, isn't it? And it's just I'm going about that one. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it, 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 is, it is so true. Yeah, I know. I must admit, when, when we when we had a yeah, when we had a chat earlier, and you mentioned that to me, I, I was I was pretty much cr- crying. Then I'd never sort of really thought, but it's so true. It's, it's like because um, how many times have we said, oh, oh, yeah, somebody said they complain because that you were rolling your eyes at them, and you think oh, I, I honestly wasn't. So yeah. oh, that's amazing. And, and what other yeah. things would you say you, you brought in then? So it was. It was just. For me, it was learning all of that and how important. So you are, as crew, the face of that company. You're not there to get a free ticket to Vegas. That's a little plus, a little benefit, right? But actually, if you listen to what the, you know, the the bigger picture and your kind of bigger purpose in that company. So I, I just, I learned so much just about how, you know, those magic touches that we do, it's not, just for fun it's so that you know those customers come back and they get repeat business and they're learning about virgin and how amazing the company is like mm. virgin are a very clever clever company i remember going to a party once and someone said oh what do you do and i was like oh i work for virgin and i was like oh it's an amazing company but and i was like oh my gosh that i'm selling the business and i'm not even at work um <laughs> it's incredible right like they know how to do it and um I took that away so I took away you know how to really it's that experience design I just go back to that it's the giving those passengers not just their tea and coffee but it's giving them that experience and I loved that I genuinely used to love making people's day um and that is the biggest thing I probably have taken from Virgin is how they operate as a good company and they know how to do that with little things like making that experience. And that's just something that's been really highlighted in the job that I do now is that, you know, I do pay attention to detail. I do think about the little things. I, I think all the time I put myself in their shoes and that is Convergent completely. And this is all stuff that you can take into job interviews. And if anyone's coming up with job interviews soon, think about those things that you've been taught throughout your your training, um, not just in service but in safety. All those aspects can be applied in any job that you do. Uh, the magic touches, you know, thinking outside of the box, stressful situations, and um, making someone's experience. All of this applies to so many different industries. Every industry, I'll say, how much we know and how much we we can do. Yeah. Every industry relies pretty much relies on customers, right? Mm-hmm. And it isn't just it's about customers. Yeah. It's that customer experience. Every whether it's internal customer, external customer, mm-hmm. every business is relying on that, and we know how to nail it. Yeah. And it isn't just about. I know I joke about this quite a lot about sort of like tits and teeth, mm. it, but it is putting yourself in their shoes, and we know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love it. Uh, Simon yeah, uh, Costello has asked. No, okay. what, so, uh, what, what, oh, <laughs> sorry, you go ahead, Trev. Because no, I, I think with this link, it's about. 
a year behind. Now, I was going to say, um, what, what, what would you say you miss about crew now? And you had a funny oh, finish question might come up. I, like, I do miss um, how open you would be with each other. Like, you would turn up for work, you might not know anyone in that room, but you knew, and again, this goes back to how Virgin, because they know how to recruit and they know how to hit them down the head, you would get on with someone on that flight because you're all quite like-minded, similar people. And those that openness and conversations like sometimes I do catch myself at work and I'm like oh probably shouldn't have said that or probably um I think everyone's just a little bit more cheeky and a little bit more um yeah a bit more chilled with each other and I guess um when you know now working in a much more corporate environment I probably sometimes have to kind of be a little bit more reserved, I guess. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. So I guess I miss, I miss Atlanta. Well, would they not? Um, we sort of touched this earlier, but they must see you as a, a breath of fresh air because uh, if the court, I know the corporate world, and it can get very sort of stuffy and almost sort of. Uh, it, it's so sort of insular. So every now and then, it's bringing out an, an outsider. Uh, must be must be lovely. I was just wondering, what's the um right? Is, is it a mainly uh, male environment here there, or is there a good selection of uh, female scientific graduates come through? What would you say? This yeah, sort of obviously. Um, obviously, they try to really keep a diverse range of people coming through, and um, that's obviously what makes a great team, right? And a good high performing team is a good diversity of people. Um, I think the STEM industry, so your science and engineering technology naturally attracts uh, men. So from kind of a proportion point of view, it's, uh, it is naturally a more male dominated industry. Um, but yeah, we've, we definitely have a good portion of uh, females joining too, which is always amazing. Mm. I was yeah, fortunate. Yeah, so go on. No, no, I was going to say, you know, because what you do, do you um, write your own courses? Were you brought in to literally write your own course or did somebody write write it for you? I mean, how, how was there something before you? Cut long story yeah, short. So when I joined, they were basically having a bit of a whole culture and a whole um, change with the whole organisation that had a new CEO come in. Um, they brought in some really different, personality types and one of those was the lady I was talking about earlier Lisa who's one that actually uh, hired me so she was the director of the talent and academy um, so the training so she'd come in to really shake it up and really change it so there were people before me um, but there wasn't really um, they basically just had nine courses that they all got put on so obviously when I started doing my training and learning about the industry and learning and training I was like well this kind of doesn't really work and when I spoke to the the, the grads my customers the grads and apprentices they were a bit like yeah well that doesn't really apply to me or whatever so yeah so I basically scrapped what there was and um yeah I was given free reign to kind of start again redo it so um I've put together a whole framework um and obviously I've had to <laughs> hand that baby over while I go off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but how, how, how do you, okay, how do you just, um, you made it sound so casual and easy, you know, just it and, and, and start again, but how long did you get to do that? Did you carry on with the old course while you were writing a new one or was there just no, uh, say, career development while, while you were writing that course? I had to kind of um, find out what the business wanted and what the grads and apprentices wanted at the same time as delivering something and putting together the framework. So it's literally a matter of kind of keeping what was going happening, um, sort of rolling, you know, letting the old one finish, but whilst creating the other one alongside. So that's kind of why I've been spending the last sort of um Predominantly, probably the last year, really focusing is on putting this new framework together. 
but ro rolling it out as I'm putting it together. So the new ones that are joining in September, they've they've got a whole program now that you know they'll see up front. So yeah, it's it's been a hard hard year. But yeah, yeah, yeah. exciting. And busy. And um, your job, would you now, um, and I'm asking this out of genuine interest, would you consider your job now nine to five or is it a bit like being crew, your hours are literally all, all over the place? No, it's definitely nine to five. So I'm really fortunate that I work for a company that has um, flexible working. And I think, you know, if you are looking at other companies, and I know I said this earlier about it's the people that you work with and surround yourself with. It's not just the job necessarily. It is about who you surround yourself with. It's also about that company and that company culture. So for me, when I was saying earlier about the teaching and why it was hard, is that I'd come from being crew where as long as you turned up and you did your shift on the flight, you weren't I think I struggled with that really serious nine to five so in teaching it was you need to be here for that first lesson and you need to be here for the end that last lesson and crew you don't have that structure it's you know and so to go from that extreme was really hard for me so I think I for me I knew that I couldn't do that in a job so Kinetic's an amazing company because you know as long as you do your hours and they're kind of in, in the core and it works with the team, then you could be a bit more flexible. So, you know, I can I can start at eight and finish at half four or, you know, start a bit later and finish a bit later. Um, as long as, you know, obviously I'm there if there's any meetings. But, yeah. Yeah. And what would you say the, um, the attention span between your current scientific graduates are compared to those you were teaching travel and tourism at that great Red Vic University, Uxbridge. Oh, it's not Uxbridge. Well, apparently as humans, we have a five-second attention span. Um, and it's becoming it's becoming less and less because obviously we now don't need to remember things because we have instant access to things like Google. Um I bet you can remember your first telephone number from like your home landline number, but probably don't remember your mum's mobile anymore. So yeah, we don't need to yeah, remember store information. Yeah. We have a real, we have a, a short tension span. So yeah, I find it, you know, it very very similar. You can't um, you can't throw information at people, whether they're at school, college, or in the corporate world you have to you have to experience it for yourself to learn it yeah i agree yeah. no I, I can believe that so um we're coming up to a uh, hour now and this is where we sort of usually wrap up but uh, no, just a quick question what would you say when you were fine was your favorite destination and oh my gosh. you didn't know you didn't prep me for this oh uh, well <laughs> I told you I threw. I told you I threw in a, a few tough questions. You, you know. <laughs> we, we call them. We call them curveballs. There you go. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just loved the destination so much for so many different reasons. Um, you could never kind of really beat a Vegas pool party, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. I used to love an Orlando. Who doesn't love going to Disney for free? Well, Universal. Um, yeah. yeah, used to love a bit of Universal. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, it's just so much fun, wasn't it? Just going to a theme park with a bunch of like strangers. <laughs> just like who can become friends very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Okay, all right. And um, final question before I ask for sort of closing uh, comments: uh, If something wanted to do what you are doing now. Um, what what would their career path be? What would they have? What would you say they would have to do? So I think there's an amazing opportunity to go into this industry with fresh eyes. As I was saying earlier, it's quite um, an industry where people. I've personally experienced that people are very much almost take like a teacher type role in it, and um, that doesn't work. And I've seen that, you know, people in the corporate world don't want to be treated like children and 
you know, it, it doesn't work. That's not how we learn. We need that experience and we need to um, be challenged in completely different ways. So I, I think that there are qualifications that you can do. But what the amazing thing is, especially at the moment, there are, all, you know, large organizations do have the levy fund for apprenticeships. So my advice would be, you know, if you did want to do it, speak to people that do it, find out what it's like, find a company that really, that you like their values and you like that company and that culture that they're offering. So I do, I do think that has a big impact. Um, and talk to people in the industry follow people that are in the industry on LinkedIn, see what they're talking about. Um, and, and companies will, you know, will deliver it very differently. So I am super, super lucky that my company is very forward thinking. They're very open for, you know, for me to do things differently and, and challenge the way things are done. And, you know, I get their support, but, you know, I hear other people that work in learning and development and they are expected just to regurgitate training courses. Um, and that's, I think I would probably find that really boring after a while. That's not what I'd want to do. So, um, yeah, it's about, I guess, finding that. And then, you know, if there is a company where you can get your foot in the door, um, like myself, I was really, I was able to do an apprenticeship to, to gain my qualifications. And a lot of big organisations have the levy fund. So they're able to use uh, money that they have. It's basically like a tax. So they have a pot of money that they can utilise and spend on apprenticeships. Um, um, we're just waiting to find out. I think I was the first one in the UK to go through the level five learning and development apprenticeship. So, oh, yeah. Congratulations. And how old were you when you started that apprenticeship? Actually, that's, is that really rude? I was no, because no, no, I mean, I've, I've, I've got daughters who are just about to start apprenticeships. And I, I, I think I think it's a... Uh, uh, amazing. So, um, actually, no, maybe I won't ask. But yeah, I can tell you because I have put a blog on oh, LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to bring that up next. That was going to be my next question. Join them together. So, I did start the apprenticeship at 36. So, and I think, you know, don't think that apprenticeships are low level paid. I got paid well for what I did. Um, and obviously, you know, now I'm qualified. Hopefully, you know, have opportunities where that will increase. But you don't, I, I think there's this perception that apprenticeships are for 16-year-olds and they're, you know, business admin and they don't, they don't pay very well. But that's not the case. There are some real high level, you can do level seven. So even on my um, early careers program, we've got people that are joining and they're going to be doing level seven, like project management. So there are some amazing opportunities out there. Um and you just need to ask, like, you know, when you go to interviews, put that question forward, say, you know, I, I don't have a piece of paper to say that I can do it, but I know I can. And I'm prepared to, I've looked at the qualifications, I've done my research, I'm prepared to do this if you'll allow me. Um, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of companies will. You just need to be, I think it goes back to what you were saying earlier, Trevor, about having that kind of motivation and it, it's having that drive to want to do it. And if you if you've put in the research to find out that is what you want to do, then you will be passionate. I find myself reading all the time about the industry I work in and finding out more. And I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised that Ali probably does the same. Like when you're passionate about what you do, it just, you just naturally want to suck up more information about it. Yeah, we, we, it's not work, is it? If, if you've got a passion uh, about something, you're, you're not working. You're, you're just doing um, what what you. Uh, what what you love? No, that's, yeah. that's, uh, that's quite amazing, uh, Ali. I've been hogging all the microphone space here. Have, would you like to say anything, my lovely? Then I'll do uh, closing comments. <laughs> Is this my closing comment? No, no, no. Would you like to add anything, and then, then I shall add that because I think this has been amazing. Oh, your no. blog. That's what I was going to ask. Sorry, your. Yes. <laughs> No, where, people find, where people can find your blog then Jules oh yeah so I've done a blog on basically being an apprentice at 36 um, it, it is possible um, and that's on my LinkedIn so um, Julie Tyra on LinkedIn if you haven't got LinkedIn get it <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I think that's the takeaway from this <laughs> yeah, that would be my tip because I hear people that are kind of not using it or um, I think it's probably really just for recruitment, but 
you can follow people that are in the industries you're interested in and people I've noticed since COVID it's becoming a lot more social actually mm. people are sharing stories on there um, and you know they're putting blogs and they're putting articles um, and you can follow people that you know in the industries that you're interested in and build network basically um, you mm. know really that network so, I think uh, it's important to have a good profile as well. I mean, I, I, I actually yeah. took a course on how to make the most out of LinkedIn because wow. my profile was was terrible. You know, there was no good picture. There was no good, you know, bio. My CV wasn't great. You know, it was just kind of a bit mishmash. But if you can have a really good profile, that's something that employee, employees, employers look at, right? They, they, yeah. they check, that's the first thing they do nowadays. They check you out on LinkedIn. And if you're already nicely packaged up, then... Yeah. I've read yeah, yeah. your bio, Ali, and it's so good. So, yeah, um, definitely. If you, you know, if you want to invest in yourself, then I think that's a really good tip, actually. And you can pay people to write your bio. And if, you know, if you are looking for work, that's not a bad shout. Just spending a little bit of money on, a, you know, maybe getting a headshot and getting someone to write your bio. Definitely. Mm. It, it's, it's worth it. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's make or breaks in some jobs, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. I must admit, uh, Alex um, on his own um, uh, podcast as well, he, he constantly talks about uh, LinkedIn, and it seems to be the the the, the big thing. I, I must admit, I, I don't know too, too much about it, but it's definitely something I should invest in in myself. But I, I'm saying I'm hearing so so much about it. All right, we're coming up to uh, over one hour now. Um, I shall start with some sort of closing comments. Uh, I shall start with our guest, Jules. And if you'd like to say that you can get tell our viewers the last bit of uh, advice. Um, I think my advice, yeah, um, get yourself a LinkedIn profile, even whether it is just for because you're looking for jobs or, or if you just want to get inspiration and follow people, some people put some great stuff on there. Um, and, you know, the best investment is in yourself. So if you are real in a crossroad in your path, then um, don't, you know, if you can, you know, try and spend a little bit of money on getting a, a qualified career coach, um, unless you're fortunate that, you know, know somebody that can support you with that. But if you're at a crossroad, just really take some time back uh, to sit and really think about what you want to do next. Um, and it's not always about following a passion because, passions might not always pay the bills right and I think my PT was probably a really good example of that um where I've had to have worked a lot of hours to make the money that I earn now um and I've had to have given up evenings and weekends so it's about really thinking about what you want out of a job um and having so for me it was work-life balance um so thinking about all those kind of little things um and yeah I think that would be it really but Mm. Well, uh, as crew, we've got multiple, multiple skills. Think outside the box. Mm. Yeah, I can believe that. I can believe that. And young Ellie, what would you like to say, my lovely? Oh, I just want to thank you, Jules. Because I, I swear to God, you Perfect could chop up that. You could chop up that uh, interview just now. There's so many little sound bites there that would help be helpful to people who are now looking to change careers. I think it's amazing. But, um, and what I loved was the the whole, you know, things that we can take into job interviews now. Um, the, you know, the, the magic touches, the things that we take for granted that we do every day as cabin crew are so transferable to other careers. And I think it's important people remember that when they go into their job interviews over the next few weeks and months and, and years. Um, and, and yeah, LinkedIn, let's get LinkedIn, get that spot profile absolutely spot on. And then, uh, it's, 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 it's your front cover of your magazine that employers will look at and so they can buy you. <laughs> Make sure it's nice. Yeah. It's, do you know what? It's amazing how many people don't smile at work. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Mm. True. Like, <laughs> you your full smile. <laughs> smile. Go on, yeah, a, a, a smile a smile is easy. No, I was saying a, a smile is so, and you have 
both hit the nail on the head there. Uh, these aren't my closing comments, by the way. I've got more for that. Um, they, but, uh, as you've hit the nail on the head. A smart, it sorts half your problems out before they've even started. I'm sure you two remember this on the aircraft. If you approach somebody with a, a and I do mean a genuine smile, um, it usually ends up being a, uh, a conversation rather than a confrontation. You know, it's uh, it's. It's a you know, it really is. And I think you're both absolutely right there. And now my closing comments in, and I must admit, George, you've given me food for thought there. Uh, I think we should actually do a special just on LinkedIn uh, alone, uh, probably not on Monday night live, uh, but just some kind of podcast just to show. And I'm sure Alex uh, would, would be pretty uh, good at this on, on how important it is because say he raves on about it all, all, all the time. And I must admit, I think I'm becoming a uh, convert. But uh, my closing comments are uh, these last few months, it's been an absolute privilege to, to, to speak to some of the people I'm speaking to. Um, so we literally set this up as a, as a small channel just to find out uh, bits and bobs about what crew do when they're not being a uh, crew. And, and the people we've had on board, and, and I'll tell you what, you're, uh, George, what can I say? It's, it's been absolutely amazing. Just even reading your bio uh, this afternoon and, and a couple of days ago was, was absolutely amazing. Um, and I think we'd like to follow your, your, your career forward uh, as, as as we have done with uh, Ali as well. It's, it's amazing, honestly. I, I, I I leave this show every week thinking, wow, you know, the, the kind of people crew are. But no, that, that's my closing comment. So uh, thank you. And ladies, if you'd like to join me in this sort of green room, just quickly, uh, just to say a thank you to us. I'd say, I'd like to uh, thank our viewers as well. And hopefully Simon and Alex, uh, Jen, Tara uh, will join us next week along with uh, Ali as well. But other than that, all have a, a great time. And uh, thank you. Uh, so so much for uh, for giving us the time as well. So thank you very much, and hopefully we'll see you again uh, next week. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Well, that was a really quite an interesting insight into uh, Jules's uh, career path. Was she recognised quite early on after she left being crew that she wasn't happy with some of the following career choices that she had made? And she acted on them quite quickly and moved on. And there's really no point being in, there in something you absolutely hate. Well, she's lucky enough now to be in a position and a career she absolutely loves and which utilises her skills. Well, Jules was also encouraging crew to make sure they uh, use uh, social media as a tool for career progression, uh, especially at LinkedIn, uh, which so many recruiters are using as a first point of contact. In fact, she says it's an absolute must for whatever role you go for and to make sure you keep it up to date. Well, I'll be doing a special on LinkedIn in the coming weeks, so uh, watch out for that podcast. Well, if you do enjoy these shows, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a, a star rating and a review as they really help us to promote this show. Well, join us uh, soon for another episode of Not Just Crew. If you have any stories you'd like to contribute to our podcasts for future episodes, please contact us at hello you at notjustcrew.me.